with you before I get in any more trouble. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, open up Joshua. We'll be in Joshua chapter 7. And as we looked at this, and would have been great if we'd have been able to, to go through both chapters at the same time, because to me, Joshua 6 and Joshua 7 sum up for me basically one of two ways you're, gonna, you're going to enter into a spiritual battle. In Joshua chapter 6, we have the victory. And I want you to remember the keys to the victory. In Joshua chapter 1, God told Joshua, you meditate on the word of God every single day. He said not to let the word out, not be in his mouth, that it was always in him, always a part of his life, meditating on the word. We come to chapter 5, we see Joshua facing that, that day of battle. And as he's facing that day of battle, he comes face to face with the captain of the Lord's army, a, a theophany, a Christophany, an appearance of Christ prior to the incarnation. God in, appearing in the flesh. And you remember, Joshua sees him and the Lord says to him, take off your, your shoes, you're on holy ground. Just like he told Moses in the burning bush. He takes off his sandals and Joshua is on the floor worshiping the Lord. So we see him focused in the word. We see his heart bent, leaning toward worship, seeking God. You know, hey, Lord, what do you have for me? And right after that, in chapter 5, in the beginning of chapter 6, he receives the marching orders for Jericho, right? And he receives the plan of attack. And so what does Joshua do? He spends time in the word. He spends time in, in worship, in adoration of God. And then... He gets up and obeys. He does what God's called him to do. If you want a formula for success in your spiritual walk, that's it. That's it. An old timer once told Billy Sunday, when Billy Sunday was just getting started, he told him, I'm going to tell you, Billy, how to make sure when you go into ministry that you never fall away, you never stumble. He said, here's what you do. Spend 15 minutes a day reading the word of God and asking God to open your eyes and show you what he has for you in his word. Then spend 15 minutes praying, really seeking the Lord over exactly what you've been reading those 15 minutes. And spend 15 minutes throughout that day telling someone else about what you read and how that impacted you. You say, if you do that, Billy Sunday, you will never backslide, stumble, fall, you'll just walk with the Lord. And Billy Sunday never forgot it. If we'll make that a key to our life. The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It has everything we need within it. But we, more often than not, will leave that Bible sitting on the bedstand. And by the way, it doesn't work by osmosis. If the Bible is on the bedstand, that information that's in it doesn't leap into your head while you're sleeping next to it. We actually have to open it up. Just like the Lord told Joshua, meditate on the word every single day. Every single day. Seven days out of the word of God makes one week, right? We don't want to be weak. And we don't want to spend a week like that. So we want to be in the word. 
And then it's so vitally important that we learn that we need to come before the Lord in adoration. That we need to come before the Lord in praise. That we need to come before Him. To me, there's no better way to do, to do that than when we come together as a body. But I'm not saying you can't do it in your car, listening to the radio. Sure you can. You can praise God and, and sit at His feet and just soak up whatever the Lord has. But it's vital that we do that. I think if we sat back and we decided, you know, for a week... I'm going to write down exactly what I did every minute of the day. I think you'd be surprised how little, or maybe you'd be surprised how much of your day is spent in meditating on the Word and sitting in adoration of our Savior. We want to make sure that we make that. What is, what is God's principle in the Word? Does God want our leftovers? I think he wants some of them Smarties. What, do you got a whole bag of them things? You're in charge of addiction ministry, aren't you? Funny how that works. Anyhow, I digress. <laughs> what was I talking about now? I got Smarties on the head. What was the answer? I don't know. But you had it? Yeah. So that's good. Wow. Just like that, it's gone. So, anyhow, just make just just maybe take that challenge this week. Take a challenge and say, how much time am I spending? Right. God wants first fruits. He wants the beginning. If we wait till the leftovers, what's left for the Lord? Nothing. If you wait for the leftovers in your offering, it's the same way. Before Kathy and I made the decision, to, to, to tithe, there was never enough money to tithe. And then we just decided we were going to do it. And lo and behold, there was enough. That principle holds true, not just in, in offerings, but in your time, in your time spent in a word, in your time spent in worship. And as those things are, are filling our life with the necessary ingredients for a good, solid spiritual walk, then the Bible says we're able to walk in obedience to Him. In, in, the, in the epistles of John, John wrote that we can, we, if we love Jesus, we will keep His commandments. And then he adds this phrase, and they will not be burdensome. means it won't be, oh, i got to do that stuff for God again. It means it's gonna, that's, that's not going to be part of the equation. To me, that's the key. And we want to keep that in our mind as we look at the battle of I. As we look at the battle of I, we'll see that, that as we take a look in chapter 7, those things aren't part of the equation. We're going to see something different. We're going to see an overemphasis of my part in a spiritual victory. We're going to see self-confidence and blatant disobedience. And that is the formula for failure. And that's the formula that they had as they went into the battle of I. Some people say AI, but that's, that's not how it is in the Hebrew. But if it helps. The battle of, of I as they go to this battle. So let's pick it up. Joshua chapter 7, let's see what's going on. Oh, see, I knew there's a good reason why I left those under the chair. 
But the children of the Lord committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. That's how chapter 7, verse 1 begins. If we look, if we look at verse 18 of chapter 6, it says, And you by all means abstain from the accursed things. Now when you look at that, let's not call it the accursed things. Probably a better word than accursed is devoted. The first fruits go to who? To the Lord. And so God declared in the battle of Jericho, first battle in the promised land, all of the the spoil from Jericho is devoted to the Lord. So that word for accursed and devoted in the Hebrews, that's not that much different. What we're looking at here is this is consecrated to the Lord. So if you touch it, you're accursed. But it's devoted to God, to his service. First fruits, it goes to him. So it says, in fact, if we look at, look at verse 27 of chapter 6. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. That sounds good, right? Somebody told me in school once, if you say something really nice and follow it with a but, everything you said just got washed away. All of this stuff is true, but the children of Israel committed a trespass according or regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now that's the backstory. Does Joshua know that yet? No. They just come off a great victory, right? Man, the walls fell down. God gave us a tremendous victory. Folks, the most danger you will ever be in in your spiritual walk with the Lord is immediately after an incredible victory. Because we can do the same things they did. We start to emphasize our part in the victory. Uh, You know, maybe the guys that were playing the trumpets, the Levites that were going around playing the trumpets, said, man, did you hear that note I hit when we were gone? Man, I mean, I really... I was really into it. Or the fellows that were shouting, oh, but really, could anybody take any credit for what occurred? No, man, the walls fell down flat because God said they were going to fall down flat. And it didn't have anything to do with anybody else. But after a spiritual victory, there are times when we start to think, I got this. I got it. I get how this works. Oh, good, I got it. And, and when we have that kind of an attitude, we're ripe. We are ripe. Paul would write, Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Don't don't start thinking that the reason... Just like it reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody knows the story of Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar wandering around in his kingdom and just saying, Look at this mighty kingdom which I have built. And the Lord saying, "Uh, Excuse me. I built the kingdom. And I gave it to you. And if you continue to walk in this pride, I'll prove it to you. And Nebuchadnezzar said, okay. And he continued to walk in pride. And one day he went out on his patio, Daniel tells us, and he said, look at this mighty kingdom that I have built. And immediately he was 
struck insane. And for seven years, he ate the grass of the field and his hair grew like feathers. Means he never cut his hair and he never trimmed his nails and he acted like a wild animal. Out in the, the people would look at him. Oh, who's that? Oh, that's Nebuchadnezzar. Woohoo, totally crazy. He's eating the grass. He's running around the field like a wild man. But what happened to his kingdom? Nobody took it. And at the end of seven years, sanity returned to Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar writes, I believe in chapter four, I want to say chapter four. He writes, I want to tell you that this is God the Most High. And he proved himself to me. And he relates the story. We want to remember when, when we experience, I guess really here's how it works. You are not allowed to take the credit nor the blame for anything. Because God is sovereign. And God is working. Now oftentimes something will happen... Say something negative happens, and we want to look for someone to blame. Anybody ever been there? Well, you want to look for somebody to blame. I just feel better if I can blame this on them. If I could just say, it's your fault, you did it. But in reality, nothing touches my life that doesn't pass through the hands of a God who loves me. So if that occurred, even because of somebody else was absolutely wrong... I don't care. It's not them. It can't touch me except the Lord said it could touch me. So I look to the Lord. I refuse. Now, I used to be ruled by that. really was difficult for me. I refuse. I refuse to go down that road. It's God's deal. It's God's deal. And so I don't take the blame nor cast the blame on someone else. And I can't take the credit. Every once in a while, somebody will come and say, Jackie, man, Sunday morning was pretty full. A lot of people here could hardly find a seat. But it don't have nothing to do with me. At all. But God. It's all Him. He gives the victory. He fills the chairs. He fills the pews. He fills the church. He empties the church. He does what He does. I just report to Him as a tool fit for the Master's use. Here I am, Lord, use me. No credit, no blame. But we'll see, you know, some of these guys are, are starting to think, I got it. We got it. We just, we just whooped Jericho. Let's see how this goes. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to, to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up. And spied out AI. Now, it's interesting as you look at this, as we take a look, the, the, there's two cities that is mentioned, right? Bethel and Bethaven. Anybody know what they mean? Bethel means the house of God. This is often the case because right next to the house of God is Bethaven, which means the house of evil. So, I, or AI, is right between. In the midst of good and evil. The house of God. The house of evil. They always seem to, to put those things together. In fact, Paul said it like this. Paul said, where sin abounds, grace 
superabounds. Yeah. There, so often, it's in that place. Uh, some of the greatest revivals I've ever seen, uh, 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 the greatest outpourings of the Spirit in my life that I've seen have always been in the craziest places where you wouldn't expect. Not necessarily right in that comfortable church in the middle of that nice, you know, middle America neighborhood, but closer to Beth Avon, to the house of evil. And God loves to put Bethel, the house of God, right there. Right beside it. Right in that place where the Lord is able to minister. So between these two cities, he says, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out I. And they (coughs) returned to Joshua and they said, do not let all the people go up, but only about two or three thousand men to attack I. Do not weary all the people, for the people of I are few. That sounds like, and we got this, brother. We got it. Don't even send everybody. You, you, keep, you keep a lot of them guys over, over yonder. Just, just send a couple thousand over. We got it handled. Overemphasizing their own part to play. What part did they play in Jericho? None. God did it. So what part should they be playing in AI or I? None. Let God do it. Yeah, let God do it. Let God do the work. Let God move. Let God be who he wants to be. So scripture goes on to say, so in verse 4, it says, So about 3,000 men went up from among the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. What had occurred? Overemphasizing their own part to play, and they were filled with self-confidence. Got it. We got this. We can do it. I can do it on my own. And what did Joshua do? Joshua said, well, go for it. Yeah, that, you're right. Now, you know, God's up there running all the heavens. And I is just a little town. So we'll just go whoop them ourselves, And then we'll check in with God later. Never a good idea. Never a good idea. When it's often, in fact, it's always, when we look at that and we say, this is just a little thing. I can do it. What are we thinking? We all do it. We all do it. The Lord wants to be involved in every aspect of our life. That's what the Proverbs declares, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Every aspect of our life he wants to be a part of. But Joshua, the leader, he didn't go to the Lord, right? He left his confidence in himself, in their ability to fight, and their ability to make war. 
We got this one. It's a little one. And they sent the men up and the men got whooped and chased all the way back home. And 36 men died. 36 men who never went home to to their wives, who never hugged their kids again, who never had any part to play from that point forward in life on this earth, they're gone. They're gone. When we look, Scripture goes on to tell us what happens next. So Joshua tore his clothes. And he fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord. So he's gone. The ark of the Lord. Remember, the ark of the Lord speaks of God's presence. So he goes to that place where he could find God's presence. He falls down on the ground before the ark until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their head. Now here they are. They're laying down before the ark. They're pouring dust and ash and mourning, you know, in a, in a position of mourning before God. And then Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side. That sound like Joshua to you? Remember... Joshua was that one who before when all the craziness was going on and all the other spies were saying, we can't do it. What did Joshua say? We can. can. God's with us. We can do it. Now, all of a sudden, because of his increased confidence in self, you have a decrease in all those other things we talked about. Meditating on the word, coming before the Lord in adoration, walking in obedience. Did Joshua seek out the word prior to this? No. Did he seek out the Lord's guidance prior to this? No. If he had, God would have said, hey, don't go. There's sin in the camp. He'd have told him. But he didn't go. When we come to that place of self-confidence, when we come to that place of, of emphasizing self It's going to lead to blatant disobedience. Blatant disobedience. And we're going to see that blatant disobedience in a minute. Joshua doesn't know about it yet, but he's about to find out. But if Joshua had stayed connected to the Lord, he would have heard before 36 men died. If Joshua had stayed connected to the Lord... There are many times, many days, I get up, I'm never really sure what the day is going to hold. You never know. In ministry, you have no idea. Anything else. Yeah. And, you know, I've shared a few of the stories before, but the one that, that sticks out the most to me is sitting around a table. We're having a, a board meeting, I think, at JS, and a, somebody comes running in the door, and they, they come in and they say, hey, the, the um, roses... They just ran over their baby. And their baby's being rushed to the hospital. They're asking for you, Jackie. Can you go down there? So I jump up and go to the hospital. It's too late to have had my morning devotion on the way. It's too late to really be at the feet of Jesus and say, 
What am I supposed to do, Lord? What do I do in this situation? That needs to be occurring every day, all the time. So that when you get in that, your car and you head down to the hospital and that those things are flooding through your mind, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? That you can just be still and know that God has a plan and a purpose behind that day. And God moved and, and we were able to minister to a family who tragically saw the loss of a one-year-old baby girl. It's a heartbreak. Cannot possibly imagine what that's like. But God moved. But God had a plan. But God had a way to minister. But God had a way to, to bring comfort and peace in the midst of all that tragedy. But it's too late. If you get up and just run into your day and hope you're going to be equipped for what you're going to face. You've got to constantly be coming before the Lord. And offering him your first fruits. The first part of your day. Just a few moments. Spent with the Lord. Jesus did it, right? How many times does the Bible tell us he got up early in the morning to go off and be alone and pray? To go to that place where we can have God just speak to us. Prepare us. I can't even tell you how many times that devotion, whatever I read, ends up being the very thing I share with somebody later on in the day who's had no idea they were calling or any idea that they were going through anything. But this, the Lord knew and had me read this particular devotion. And it just coincides with their need for that day. But that's how God works. Joshua here, he's on his face before the Lord and he's mad. He's upset at God. Where were you, God? I was right here. Where were you, Joshua? Where were you? Most of the time when we look at failures and struggles in our life, not always, but most of the time, it's brought about by our own hands and our own choices Things that we decided to do many times outside of what God's trying to get across to us. Outside of what God's trying to speak to us. We, we cannot overemphasize how important it is to spend time with the Lord every single day. Verse 8 says, Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it, surround us, and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why are you lying on your face? <laughs> God's saying, What are you doing, Joshua? It doesn't even sound like you. Get up. Stand up. We need to talk. You want to talk? We can talk. He says in verse 11, Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed or devoted things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies 
but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy that accursed from among you. So get up and sanctify the people. Twice, God said, get up. Don't lay on your face and whine to me right now. Joshua, get up. You got stuff to do. You're the leader, Joshua. So stop tearing your clothes and throwing dirt on your head and laying here on the ground. Get up. I told you that I'd be with you wherever you went. But just at the Battle of Jericho, not that long ago, I said... Don't touch the devoted things. If you do, there's going to be trouble. So there's trouble. Someone's touched that which was devoted to God. It's his. And someone has taken it. Isn't that an interesting way to consider? Literally, they've robbed God. Isn't that what the prophet Malachi says in Malachi chapter 3? And the people said, how have we robbed God? And God said, in your tithes and offerings. What do you mean? Because what's first is mine. And what's left is me taking care of you. Same here. Someone has touched it. Someone has gotten into the devoted things. Someone has done something. So get up and sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. And you will not, you cannot stand before your enemies until you deal with the accursed thing from among you. There is sin in the camp. We find ourselves in a place of perpetual stagnation. Feel like my Christian walk is not moving forward. I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I can't hear the voice of God anymore. I I, I don't really sense his direction. And what we think has occurred is that, you know, I've just been after this so long and I just can't make it happen anymore. And we begin to emphasize self. I was the one who somehow was able to understand God's direction before. Now I can't. I'm, I'm, just, I'm growing through the fad that was my Christianity. More likely, smack dab in the middle of your camp is a big old fat sin. And God said, we're not going anywhere until you deal with it. Part of the work of sanctification that God does in our life Time and time again is to stop and say, hey, Jackie, I'm not okay with this. Not okay. So I'm just going to stay here. And you go about and do your little nutty things. And when you realize I'm not there, come back and we'll deal, we're going to deal with this sin. There's sin in the camp. I don't know why we sometimes think we can play with it. We can tickle it. We can... Keep it in our pocket or keep it in a closet or keep it hidden away where no one else can see it. But you can't. God sees it all. If you're not moving forward, 
We need to go before the Lord, just like the psalmist, and say, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Create in me, bara. By the way, create from nothing, because your heart's all messed up. So we need God to make a new heart. Create in me a new heart. A new heart. Search me. Try me. See if there be any wicked way within me. Didn't the psalmist declare that? Lead me in the path of everlasting life. Lead me the direction you want me to go. But we can only do that if we're spending time in God's presence, right? And by the way, spending time in God's presence cannot only be a Sunday or a Wednesday night. It's every day. It's a Monday. It's a Tuesday. Come before the Lord. Come before Him. If there's sin in the camp, it's, you're not. You're going to stagnate. You're going to just die from the poison of that accursed thing buried in the ground of your heart. You need to let it go. Give it to the Lord. Set it aside. I have good news for you. Shortly after that, there will be another one. And then after that, there will be another one. Until you see Jesus face to face. There is not a one of us that don't have enough garbage in our heart to keep the Lord pretty busy sanctifying us. So we... but. Not once a week, not once a month, not every year at Christmas. Every day. Every single day. Need to deal with it. Need to get that sin out of the camp. Well, he's telling them, hey, you guys got sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp and you need to deal with it. So he says, in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord take, which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by household, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. And it shall be that he who has taken the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning, and he brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites. And he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man in Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Just a little tidbit. Achan means trouble. Trouble. There's trouble in the camp. Trouble's in trouble. Trouble has taken the accursed thing. And Achan has been chosen. So, Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord of Israel and make confession to him. Tell me now what... You have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, 
Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done when I saw. That sound familiar? I'm pretty sure if we went back to Genesis chapter 3 and we read the fall of man, we're going to see the same phrasing. She saw the fruit, that it was good, that it was desirable to make one wise. Let's see. So Achan said, I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment. 200 shekels of silver, that's five pounds of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. And I coveted them. She lifted up her eyes and saw that the fruit, she saw that it was good and desirable to make one wise. She coveted it. And after she coveted it, after she saw it and coveted it, what did she do? She took it. What did Achan do? He took it. He saw it. He wanted it. He took it. It's always going to be the road to sin. I see it. I want it. I'll take it. Doesn't matter what sin it is. Doesn't matter what struggle it is. Doesn't matter what kind of addiction you may be dealing with. None of that makes any difference. It's always the same way. I see it, I want it, I take it. That's what Achan did. He saw it, he wanted it, and he took it. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. There it was. Sin in the camp. Sin in the camp, taken out and laid out before everyone else. And it seems to follow right after a big victory. You know, Jesus was walking in in uh, Caesarea Philippi. And he looked at his disciples and he said to them, who do men say that I am? And they spouted off a bunch of stuff. The prophet, some say Messiah, John the Baptist. But then he said, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Flesh and blood did not tell you this, but my Father in heaven, my Father in heaven declared, Peter, you're so in sync with me right now that the Father in heaven just spoke through you the truth. What a victory. What a victory. Woo, man. That's like, Getting called to the, the head of the class, you know, when Jesus is teaching. Oh, good job, Peter. Well done. Very impressed, Peter. Good job. So then Jesus tells them the rest. I'm going to be arrested and beaten. I'm going to be slain. 
I'm going to be uh, placed in the ground and three days I'll rise. And what did Peter stops, stands up and says, whoa, Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 nay, nay, nay. This is not going to happen. No, this can't be right. And Jesus said, yeah, get thee behind me, Satan. From the pinnacle of victory to the jaws of defeat in the same conversation. Right? That's how quickly heart can fill with pride. And you can start to think you know more than the Lord does. Jesus walking around and talking about how all the disciples are going to run away. They're, they're all going to flee from him. And Peter said, no, Lord, all these knuckleheads may go, but not me. Not me. No, 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 no. Though everyone else fail you, I will stand firm. And Jesus said, Peter. For the cock crows, you will deny you even know me three times. Not a good day for Peter again. But I think for Peter, for you, for me, for Aiken, his family, I think we have to realize, come to those places in life and recognize, man, the... The cost. One, one man's coveting changed 36 families in a blink of an eye. 36 families never had dad again. 36 brothers and sisters lost their brother. 36 wives lost their husbands. Because one man said... I see it, I want it, so I took it. And that's what sin does in our families. We got to stop playing with it like it's something we can tickle, something we can play around with. There have been times where occasionally a believer will come into my office and they're struggling with some type of demonic oppression, some type of a deal going on where they are really feeling like you know, there are demons oppressing them. And, and it's always a, a very serious thing we want to take a look at and we want to consider. But the other thing you want to do is take a look. What are you doing? What are you listening to? What are you watching? Who have you invited into your house? Who's sitting on the shelves in your album collection or CD collection, I guess it is now. Who's in your bookcase? Who are you inviting into your house? And then saying, Lord, I don't understand why I feel this demonic oppression. Because we've opened up the door and we've invited sin in. And we're just keeping it as a pet. Well, it's okay. It's a little thing, right? Just a little thing. What's the big deal? Because... It's just a little thing. Five pounds of silver. A little Babylonian robe and a wedge of gold. I didn't even think God would miss it. But you know the sad thing for Achan? It's only Jericho that God said, it's all mine. 
In Jericho, it's all mine. When they go over to Ai, God says, it's all yours. If he had waited one battle, maybe, you know, all that time wandering in the wilderness and crossing the Jordan and being ready, maybe he thought, well, I deserve something for all this time. But if he had waited one battle, he could have had all he could carry. And he wouldn't have had to hide it in his tent and dug a hole and buried it. God would have given it to him with both hands. Because the Lord told the prophet Malachi, again in Malachi, he said, test me in this. Try me. See if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you can't even hold. And for Achan... That was one battle away. It's always too soon to take matters into your own hands. It's always too soon to make your own decisions and decide, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. It's always too soon. Trust in the Lord and the power of His might and we will see victory. Well, Achan's got a day with destiny So they bring the accursed things out. They lay them out before all the people. And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge, the gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, everything he had. And they brought them out to the valley of Achor. Probably named after Achan. The troubling. The valley of trouble. Where they brought trouble in his whole family. Sin just take down one person? Now listen. We know this. In the book of Deuteronomy we are told. In the law. That the son or daughter shall not pay. For the sin of the father. Deuteronomy lays that out clearly. So the fact that sons and daughters and everybody was there would mean that they were all part. They're all part of it. They were all okay. They all took a chance. And they're they're all going to lose their life. But... Does that mean they lost their soul? We often put so much upon the life that is lived on this earth, that little dot on the string, right? We put so much emphasis on that. It doesn't say anything about their eternal soul or their eternal state or what the Lord did with them from that point forward. Were they lost for eternity? I don't know. I don't know their hearts. I don't know. They, we, we know that they, they have salvation by faith, right? Believe. Abraham believed God and was counting him for righteousness. That's their eternal state. The fact that they lost their life doesn't mean anything. The Bible says, don't fear man. What can man do? Take your life? Fear God. 
who after that life is taken can then cast you into hell for all eternity. Well, don't be afraid of man. And don't cling so tight to this life. Trust in God and live for that life. Anything here you get to take? Nope. Everything's going to burn. I knew a guy one time, really good guitarist, and he said he was going to make sure if the rapture happened, he was going to be real close to his guitar so he could grab them. <laughs> Somebody hollered out, you'd be better off grabbing a couple of sinners. And then on the way up, saying, are you going to believe or do I let go? <laughs> we don't take nothing with us, but can we send it ahead? The Lord said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth won't destroy, where rust won't destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. Seek first what? The kingdom of God. And what happens to everything else? It'll be added unto you. It'll be added unto you. So, Achan, all his family brought to the valley of Achor, and Joshua said, why have you troubled us? It's a little play on words. Achan means trouble, the valley of trouble. Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. <clears throat> the idea was in the bodies being cremated, the families didn't keep the bone. You know, in the, for the Jew... The bodies are buried in a tomb. They decompose. From that decomposition, they will take usually the thigh bone and put it in an ostuary, a bone box. And they'll save that bone box in a family crypt for the resurrection. So it was considered a, a, another step further to not allow the families or anybody to have any peace left for the resurrection. Now, does God need any of that stuff for the resurrection? Yeah, it doesn't. No, no. He knows where all the pieces go. He creates from nothing. He's going to be able to, to resurrect those bodies. But nonetheless, that's why that, that charge was made. Burn them. Don't keep their bones. Don't move the bones as the tribes move as a family. Remember Joseph gave instruction when they left Egypt for what? taking his bones don't leave my bones here take my bones so they'll be there in the promised land so the families are burnt and they raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day so the lord turned from the fierceness of his anger therefore the name of that place has been called the valley of Achor to this day the valley of trouble so you have on one side victory Battle of Jericho. On the other side, the only defeat the nation of Israel will suffer under Joshua. One was steeped in obedience to God's word, adoration, uh, you know, meditation. The other, full of self-confidence. We've already seen how in Peter's life, self-confidence could come a sentence later after Pride begins to enter your heart when the Lord gives you an attaboy. So it's important for us to consider that. Important for us to say, wow, then I need to make sure 
how my day is. How's my day going to start? How's my day going to end? How am I going to call upon the name of the Lord? Because I don't know about you, but I want victory. Don't you want victory? Victory in our, in our spiritual walk, victory in our lives. We want to trust in the Lord and, and receive all that he has for us. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for this time that we can come before you, Lord Jesus, an opportunity to open your word. God, I pray that we would learn the lesson of the only failure of the armies under Joshua. God, I pray that this defeat, we would, we would realize that they, they tend to come after a great victory. But Lord, may we learn from the lessons of history rather than from the lessons in our own life. God, I pray that we would choose to meditate on your word every day. To sit in adoration at your feet in worship and prayer, seeking you. And as we receive our orders, may we walk in obedience. May we enjoy the victorious life, the abundant life that Jesus promised. Lord, I pray that you would move among us in a mighty way, God, and that we would just step out. There's things that you're directing us to, things that you're calling us to, things that are on our heart. There are sins in our life, God, that you're calling us to to throw out, to get that sin out of the camp, to, to cut it off, to get it away, not to play with it. There's things, there's, there's sins of, of omission, Lord, where you're telling us to do something and we're unwilling. We won't stand. Lord, I pray, God, each of us would desire to report for duty. Allow your word to wash us clean and be glorified by what you try to do in our life. God, may we present ourselves to you as tools to be used in the master's hand, however you see fit. Lord, we pray you would move among your people in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close in a word of worship. We invite you to hang out and worship with us. And then we'll meet out in the foyer where I have no idea if we have any snacks. But if we do, I'll see you at the snack table. If not, we'll just spend some time fellowshipping together. God.